Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Get a deal with coke. If I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. Got the offer and it's real low. Over one mil and it's still low. They all corporate. They all oh man, I've been drinking a lot of whiskey lemonade lately because apparently I'm 18. Hmm. And ain't nothing wrong with a whiskey lemonade. It's so good, dude. It's it just like good. every time, every time I'm like, where's the whiskey? Oh, there it is. Oh, oh, just it's just a little tingle. Just a, just a little. A little bit of little bit of that vanilla caramel right at the end. Mm-hmm. It balances out the lemonade perfectly. It does. It's it's surprisingly good. I'll tell you what, those uh those lemonade stands that sell the lemonade in those cups that they haven't changed since like nineteen ninety two. Oh, like the the fairs you know. that set up in parking lots? Yeah, you know the really, really, really good lemonade? Yeah, I the think lemonade they would make that's a like lot of 90% sugar. Yeah, they would make a lot more money putting some whiskey in there, too. They would make so much more money putting whiskey in there. I would pay uh, easily $10 more for that overpriced lemonade if they put whiskey in it. Mm-hmm. And, like, 50% less sugar. Like, there but shouldn't the be thing. silt at the bottom of my lemonade. That's, that's the thing, is the whiskey. It'll absorb the rest of the sugar. It'll, it'll absorb the sugar. I don't know <laughs> and that'll, that's it'll how... ferment. It'll ferment that sugar further. Oh, into more whiskey. <laughs> into more whiskey. It's a never-ending whiskey lemonade. <laughs> a never a self-replenishing whiskey lemonade exactly it's like those uh those perpetual fucking walks that they have it's just mm. always cooking I, it's always making... oh god i want a stir-fry robot so bad mm-hmm. stir-fry robot you know what that's i that's what i want for my birthday boys i want a stir-fry robot you want a stir-fry robot? Yeah, I want a stir-fry robot, I want to put it on my counter, and I want to toss shit into it, and I want to get stir-fry out. Yeah, well, it's a pretty good way of doing it. It's a solid one. It's a, it's a solid one. Jesus Christ. What? Cheese and rice? No, I'm sorry. I just My mom just texted me to be like, hey, sorry, I forgot, I don't know if I told you or not. But me and your stepdad are just going to Arizona for a week. No. We'll be back. Alright. And it's just like, holy shit, is this is this what it was like when I was like 18 or 19 and I would just like leave the house? My parents are like, where are you going? Out. Bye. I don't know. Around? Yeah. When are you going to be back? Eventually? Okay, later? Except it's just my parents going to old people places like fucking Orlando and Arizona. Arizona. Oh yeah, my pa- my mom loves Arizona. Mm. My mom wants to retire in Arizona. 
Arizona is the hotbed of QAnon bullshit. It is the hotbed of QAnon bullshit. You know what else? It's the hotbed of pickleball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty big now with the uh, with the um the uh, the elderly. The, the, yes. The further aging middle age. Yes. The further aging middle age. What a what a what a respectful and loving way to say that my mom is old. Yeah. My mom's not old. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Speaking of shit that is old, you guys want to get to the episode? I'm in. All right. Here we go. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where we three amateur auteurs attempt to film some of our truth into the world without permits, permission, or funding. My name is Justin St. Peter, and true story, I dropped out of film school. To my left. Well, well... Mr. Edison, I'm just a, I'm a down on my luck uh, film film director. If you just give me a chance, Mr. Edison, I, 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 I promise I'll make you plenty of money, sir. My name is Colin Stanley. To my love. <laughs> uh, my name's Tyler, and the greatest piece of cinematic masterpiece that has ever existed is Nicolas Cage's Mandy, as we all know. Hard disagree with Avatar 2, Way of Water. Avatar 2 was 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 wonderful. It was it was an easy number two, but I still think Mandy's. Mandy's got My it. My favorite, uh, I, I, the, I, I could go on for a long time about Avatar 2, but the only thing I will say, the only commentary I will give, I will steal from my little brother, who gave the best commentary live in the theater as it was happening, uh, in the first, like, five minutes of the movie, we're watching it, he goes, this asshole goes all the way to an alien planet, he's wearing a fucking suit and tie, what a loser. I was yep. like, that's right. Yeah, I well, think it's time to put down the tie, buddy. Five out, five out of five. All right. And uh, we'll hear more from Siskel and Ebert in a few minutes. Two thumbs um, up. Two thumbs up. All right. Now, uh, we're back. We're back, everybody. Tommy Alvietti, part four. The epic or anticlimactic conclusion of our series, I'll let you decide. Um, we've covered a little bit of patent thievery, cradle robbing, the overblown relationship between Edison and Tesla, the much more real rivalry between Edison and Westinghouse, and the murder of Topsy the Elephant. As well as, you know, everybody else who's died by electric chair. Topsy, Topsy. Thanks, Tommy. Like, I just imagine that Thomas Edison was just like, viciously haunted by an elephant ghost i just i watched the changeling for the first time last night gotcha i just imagine thomas i was i was thinking i was imagining thomas edison in the in the main character's uh, position just being like i've done everything you want damn it and then just hear i can't do the fucking elephant noise but you know what i mean yeah there you go yeah that's not gonna record well just rattling and shaking around in the house. Just yeah, what in the juice? Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I. Uh, we can only hope that Thomas Edison was haunted uh, till the end of his days by an elephant. Uh, you well, know, I hope it was three elephants. I hope it was the ghost of elephants past, present, and future. Well, I mean, he's he's been in hell for oh, just just about 40 years now. After getting out of the elephant graveyard, so I mean, hopefully he learned his lesson. Oh, you know what? For Probably a second, not. I was like, Thomas Edison didn't die in the seventies. 
You're killing me with this 40. elephant graveyard shit. The 80s were 40 years ago. It's numbers are hard. This is why I'm a podcaster and not a mathematician. Yes. Not even a podcaster. I grow pop for a living. That's okay. Uh, now, today, we will cover one last invention of Edison's, one we're all familiar with, even if we didn't know it was Edison's invention. It's not his invention. We'll cover whose invention it was. We'll also cover how his violently monopolistic attitude led to major political moves being made today. Edison invented the cotton gin. No. The cyanide pill. No. Morphine bullets. That one doesn't sound real, but I don't know enough about morphine or bullets to disprove you. A polio bomb. That sounds like something he would invent. Um, the projected image is not a new concept. First, working in things like shadow puppetry, uh, then eventually with things like spotlight lanterns and uh, shaped lenses, as well as other uh, more complex puppetry, people over the centuries could produce in various qualities and quantities at any given time a moving image projected onto a wall or other similar surface. These were used in storytelling, in allegory. Um, I mean, you know, most of us are familiar with Plato's allegory of the cave. That involves, um, I mean, very literally a projection of an image. That is a, a central concept to it. This would eventually turn, after the invention of the camera in the mid-19th century, uh, to a race between a few dozen inventors uh, to see who would be able to capture the first truly moving picture. The first form of this, uh, and the most primitive form of this, was the phenakistoscope. I believe I pronounced that right, but I'm sorry, phenakistoscope. That, that sounds like a that sounds like a Jedi master. Kit Fisto. Fenakistoscope. Mm -hmm. Master Fenakistoscope. But what about the Wookiees? Is that like a precursor to a flashlight or something? The Fenakist. <laughs> it's a precursor to the Jackhammer 9000 fuck machine. <laughs> um, now, this is the traditional. Oh, we got a lot to thank him for. Uh, now, this is the traditional wheel of images uh, on, a, on a cycle. Um, it provides the illusion of movement and the illusion of animation, but you, it is literally just the brain connecting the dots, basically, uh, in between these disparate images. Oh, shit, I see. Yeah, all, all video games and movies do now is a lot faster. Oh, shit, I yeah, see I mean, with it's more colors. That's it. In, them, in that Dracula movie. The Gary Oldman one. Yeah. Because Francis Ford Coppola, he loves film and he loves the history of film. Yes, Francis Ford Coppola is a great big nerd. He That's the whole movie. It's about movies, actually. And it's actually <laughs> about Roman Polanski. The whole... Uh, hey I mean, man, yes. Some Slavs, they're great men, but they're troubled with their demons and their appetites. I'm not going to describe Roman Polanski as a troubled great man. Um, I didn't say that he was. I, I said that Roman Polanski uh, was Dracula, and then I said that some Slav men are troubled uh, with their demons. and sometimes You said they were great first. Some, some, of them, some men who are troubled are also great. That is true. 
but uh, I didn't. It's I'm, the Dan Carlin capital G capital M great man theory. Justin, we can say that correlation is causation in this regard, and I did not say what you uh, you did say. I, uh, mm. We'll roll the tape back later. Colin, are you having a flashback to the January 6th committee or something? Uh, Your Honor, I've... Excuse me, is this thing... I'm sorry about that, is this thing... Your Honor, um, let me let me state for the record that uh, you've yet to prove subject jurisdiction, and you've, uh, you've, you've uh, yet to prove... Uh, uh, the 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 charges in this matter uh i've not seen uh the accuser uh the state of michigan uh has not appeared in this courtroom uh to present charges to me i do have the right to see my accused uh within a court of law do i not your honor or 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 or, or is this this is not America. Is this is this is this not the corporation of America? I am not a citizen. I am a sovereign, sovereign American national. Uh, bailiff, can you can you just can we take get the, the sergeant at arms in here? Sergeant uh, at arms. I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. It looks it sure it sure looks like you're resisting. Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> He's not resisting. He's just Polish. I'm just Polish. No, I'm just No, I just no, my thumb just unlinks like that whenever a handcuff is on my wrist. <coughs> no, yeah, it's a my, reflex. My people are genetically criminal. Yeah. It's it is it is gen- Well, dude, you know that's the whole genetic thing with slobs, right? Like every every slob and bulk and people that everybody else is a liar and a thief. Like, those are the two big, uh, you know, things you throw around. Besides, you know, uh, <laughs> the racial epithets. Yes, and, uh, yes, of course. And your stuff. Yeah. Uh, besides those two, it's usually just liars and thieves and shit. So, yeah, no, Polish people, we are great at stealing things. <laughs> Not half as good as you are at putting up drywall. No, no. The oddest work we do is much better. And we uh we don't get caught uh, nearly as much. It's because you keep. Never mind. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You're gonna, are you gonna try to white splain to me? Sorry, were you are gonna you... say something racially charged are you there? Are trying to slob splain to me right now? <laughs> I was gonna say it's because you keep putting money back in their purses. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. Ten points. <laughs> Alright, after the Phenakistoscope came the Zupraxiscope, which sounds like a disease you get from boning animals. Um, this is a series of cameras which could take a series of images and then, in time, project those images to create an illusion of movement. This was, um, wildly impractical, highly bulky, um, this was a massive apparatus... And projecting it required an equally large apparatus. After that came the kinetoscope, which was, in fact, an invention of Thomas Edison. Um, Or I should say, an invention of Thomas Edison's laboratories. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, The kinetoscope was a single-lensed camera 
capable of recording and replaying a series of silent still images at a high enough rate as to make the images appear as if they were moving. Uh, I believe they could still do uh, 18 frames per second uh, is how it started. Uh, that eventually moved that's, to the... That's pretty good. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, it eventually moved to the 24 frames per second that we're familiar with today. Yeah, uh, not far off. We're all nerds here. Deal with it. Yeah, I know. Um, <clears throat> all right. Now, uh, invented in 1888, or uh, rather, I should say, first patented in 1888 after a visit from the inventor of the Zoopraxiscope to Edison, one... And I am going to pronounce this man's name as it is spelled... I'm pretty sure his name is supposed to say Edward. Okay. But it's aggressively Welsh. Uh, Welsh? Edward Muybridge. It's right. E A D W E A R D. That sounds good to me. Edward. Like I said, aggressively Welsh. Hey, Edward. Edward. Like Edward Muybridge. Um, now, this visit in 1888 was to one of Edison's laboratories, uh, where an Edweird suggested they combine the phonograph, which had been out for a few years now, uh, and the Zoopraxiscope. Um, Edison passed, mostly because he realized how wildly impractical the Zoopraxiscope was, uh, and instead filed a patent to, quote, do for the eye what the phonograph does for the ear. Now, again... This was in 1888. The invention did not exist until 1891. So when the patent was filed, this thing did not exist yet. This is one of those theoretical patents that we've been hearing so much about in the last few years. Oh, you're talking about, like, the ones that the, the federal government and the Defense Department have for, like, anti-gravity shit and, uh, like, like, few, like, uh, cold, uh, fusion weapons and shit, like, it's, it's these, these, like, outlandish, like, sci-fi, essentially, concepts, but they're like, we have, like, a general interest in this idea, we think there is a possibility in it, so we're just gonna put a pin in this. For 30 years or whatever yeah. it's going to be yeah exactly that only instead of it being something that he had the vague possibility of it was something that he in the next year would assign a whole division of his laboratory to developing division was created in 1889 almost a full year after the patent was filed uh with edison's assistant william kennedy laurie dixon uh, being made head of the project, with Charles A. Brown made his assistant. Uh, and it is at this point that I cannot stress enough exactly how little Edison had to do with this project, like he did with many of the projects that occurred in any of his laboratories. <clears throat> Sounds familiar. Hmm. Yeah, we talked a little bit in episode two when I brought up Menlo Park uh, about shop rights and... Um, how Edison got as many patents as he did. And the basic idea is that while you are working on the clock within a facility that is owned by someone else or another company, another entity as it were, um, and using materials supplied by that company, especially, again, I cannot stress this, while on the clock for that company, the company owns those ideas. 
you hear this talked about uh, in recent years, uh, largely regarding animation studios, uh, including like Disney. Um, this is pretty controversial in like animation circles because if you go to work for Disney or Pixar, while you work for Disney or Pixar, everything you work on while at work or otherwise is property of Disney or Pixar. Yeah, that's some cucked bullshit. Yeah, it's the concept of shop's rights taken to its logical extreme. <clears throat> um, now, historians do actually largely give Dixon uh, a lot of credit with invention of the kinetoscope. However, in the popular eye, as well as in most historical documentation, because the company that owned the kinetoscope and also owned the film for the kinetoscope and also owned the players for the kinetoscope was owned by Edison. Edison is often given sole credit for the kinetoscope. Wonderful. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds like a completely... Sounds like it's working just as planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, initially, the kinetoscope would use a modified version of the phonograph cylinder, which had images uh, pasted onto it, which would be projected in sequence. This was eventually decided against in favor of celluloid film, uh, which was developed by the Eastman Company. Eastman Company. Yes. Uh, the Eastman Company believe would later be acquired by the Edison Company, or the Edison Trust. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I didn't brush my beard today. Fucking tangled with shit. <clears throat> uh, now, the first prototype of the kinetoscope was shown in public at a convention of the National Federation of Women's Clubs in 1891. Uh, the Good for them. The film was 18mm film. Uh... I, you know, it, it, it was groundbreaking for the time. I mean, it, it certainly wasn't like, um, oh God, what was the name of that Georgia Milf, um, fucking film? The Colin Train, French theater. What? What's the, the name of the movie with the train? Oh, buddy. Oh, Christ. Okay. It's been a long day. Yeah, yeah, I was not going to get that one. Yeah, alright. <clears throat> ah, yes. Uh, the Lumiere Brothers, that's who I'm thinking of. Fucking Christ. Yeah, the, I mean, the film shown at the uh, National Convention of Women's Clubs uh, was, was no, you know, Lumiere Brothers film. It, it was not the arrival of a train at La Clotat. Um, which is the very early film, which would uh, actually premiere four years later, uh, that would actually scare the absolute living shit out of the people in the audience because they thought an actual train was coming to kill them, despite it being a silent film. I feel that. Were they dumb? No. Yeah. But you gotta imagine, everybody was like a little drunk all the time back then. Yeah, a little bit. Not true. And it was like, that was like the biggest, spookiest thing... Like you would like you you would see in your reflection, 
a countable amount of times back then. Yeah, it was like an event when it happened. So, like, like having a picture was an oddity. I can imagine, yeah, seeing seeing a video, um, ha- seeing a film uh, would, you know, fucking blow your mind, especially a big, scary thing like a train. Well, yeah, because trains, trains are at scary. This time we're also still relatively new. Like not like uncommon, like not like like alien, but like still like, uh, it's it's a thing that there is like a da- like there's a dangerous reputation to trains. Mm-hmm. I mean the 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 train air brake was invented not twenty years before this. Callback. You know, callback. Shout out previous episode. Hey no. Uh, all right. Now, um, the early kinetoscope, when it was viewed, uh, was not viewed traditionally as we view movies now projected onto a screen. Uh, it was through a pinhole viewer that you viewed the replayed film. Eventually, this would move to projection after 1895. Um, after 1895. Pinhole viewer? That's what they called me in high school. God damn it. Damn. Uh, Now, uh, in 1895, Edison decided that films projected for large audiences were much more profitable than single-person viewed films, uh, which we did talk a little bit about these single-person viewers when we discussed uh, The Death of Topsy the Elephant, also called back. The little sideshow-y things. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's basically like, uh, it's, it's like a set of binoculars you stick your face in. And then if you're lucky, there's going to be a lady, like, taking off her knickers on the other side. But That's right, Dolores, take it off! Woo! See that collarbone, baby! Sweetie, baby, I die. Let me kiss your hand and I'll cream in my pants. Oh, I know my sweetie, baby, honey bun. Yeah, Justin, don't you ever... Aren't you ever, like, stuck in the trench here, like... I wish I could fly away home to my sweetie baby. I do occasionally sing Glory Glory, What a Hell of a Way to Die. <laughs> Just like while walking around at work. Jesus. That's like We ain't gonna jump. We ain't gonna jump no more, Colin. Oh, God. Okay. Now, um, 1895, Edison decides to shift to projection. Uh, This is largely because many of his competitors uh, in the European market are switching to projection. Um, The copyright for the kinetoscope really only extended to America at the time. Uh, International copyright law wasn't what it is today, largely due to logistics issues. Um, now, there was a lot of back and forth between uh, the kinetoscope, the vitoscope, the mutoscope, uh, the idoloscope. Uh, there are a whole bunch of scopes. There's so many scopes that we just don't have the time to look into all of them. That was a pun. I made a pun. Got to, to go home. I'm, get it, got it, got it. I'm already there. Get, get out I of here. can't go anywhere else. I respect um, you enough to pretend that you didn't say that. 
Thank you. I appreciate you maintaining our friendship like that. Of course. <clears throat> now, the very early problem with Thomas Edison and his early film industry uh, was that Thomas Edison believed that he was the only one who had any right to produce films, especially in America, because he had the sole copyright and the sole ownership of the kinetoscope uh, as well as kinetoscope players. He owned the world's first film studio based in New Jersey, uh, the Black Maria, which is what it was called, uh, also known as the Cinematographic Theater. The Cinematographic Theater. Cinematographic Theater. Uh, it was completed at less than $700 in construction, uh, which is pretty, pretty funny because it's largely made of like tar paper. The first theater. Also the first really? film studio. Uh, but the studio hmm. uh, was made pretty much entirely for what Thomas Edison referred to as actuality films. <laughs> They're, um, how do I put this? They're like documentaries, but not informative and also bad. Um, they are... I mean, these actuality films were, by and large, just recordings of people doing things. You know, firemen putting out a fire, dancers dancing, um, fucking policemen making arrests and things like that. Like, the... Bad boys, bad boys, <laughs> what you gonna do? Yes, that's right, the film industry did start with cops. Can you imagine silent film cops? Hmm. Hmm. This is where we would put a bit, audience, Justin, but it's a silent yeah, but, bit. But, Justin, here's the problem. Yes, yeah. You need to take these ideas and you need to write them the fuck down when we're not on the show. When we're not on the show. <laughs> so that we can use them to not have to do the show anymore. <laughs> you motherfucker. You're throwing it away. I'm just watching you piss it away in front of me. You're throwing away all your talent, boy. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm hopping mad right now. <laughs> uh. Now, at first, um, after the kinetoscope really reached wide popularity, the Black Maria was flooded with performers of all stripes for a chance to be documented and make it into one of these actuality films. This lasted um, all of a few years, probably starting in about 1895, uh, when people started making and recording fiction with the kinetoscope. Thomas Edison did not like fiction because he was boring. Because he was a big old cuck. He was yeah. a big old piece of shit. He was a Fuck that guy. Gigantic fucking cuck. Fiction back then was the TikTok of today. Basically, it was the thing that was supposed to be warping your mind and making people lazy and unmotivated and deviant was they were reading fiction and not the Bible or if you were a member of the intelligentsia like Thomas Edison, you could read like scientific journals or academic journals too uh, but other than that, you read, like, the newspaper and the Bible. 
and that was it. Uh, and uh, reading anything else meant you were like a child or a freak uh, or a psycho. Uh, and it was also something that was like used against women too. Women were seen as like stupid or uh, childish if they were to read uh, anything uh, uh, that was fictional uh, for a long time, uh, even into like the 20th century. I'm, don't worry about me. I'm just over here clutching my Robert E. Howard books to my chest. Yeah, that's right. You dumb bitch. You think you're getting smart around here Deviant thinking you can lore. read now? It's. You know what? Maybe I am, but at least I get mad at the race science in Robert E. Howard's Crom. books. By Crom. He was as black as a black, black, blackity, black, 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 black. <laughs> It's like, I, folks at home, like, that sounds like an exaggeration, but that, just, like, pick up any random Robert E. Howard Conan story and just read it, and you'll be like, it's oh, It's pretty fuck. upsetting. Oh, His wow. ebony skin glittered obsidianly <laughs> beneath the jet midnight glint of his flinty skin's blackness. Like, I literally cannot say how many times i have said out loud while reading this man's fiction i get it he's black the cold um, darkness of his abyssal skin showed no light in the dark shadows of the unlit midnight of the void like inky blackness of the night and his skin and the black and, and then was... he goes to like describe a white dude and he's like he was normal no he's basically a, he goes heron was a fair lad hale and strong for his years and that's it and that's it the other dude has the like a page a and a half about how black his skin is and how scary he looks <laughs> it's seriously seriously every time every time robert e howard <laughs> has to describe like a a foreign quote-unquote looking person yeah, I, and I'm saying that because that's the nicest way to describe the generalized group group of people that uh, Robert E. Howard was depicting. Because it included, it wasn't just like people of color; it was also like Italians and like yeah. Slavs. Like they were also mixed in there. Oh God, yeah, yeah, it was real bad. And this is the guy who wrote a letter to H.P. Lovecraft, being like, "Hey, man, can you tone down the racism?" Bro, little chill it, chill it. I read the horror Red Hook. You need to chill it out. I need you to fucking relax, Howard Phillips. <laughs> All right. Black, anyway, black, black, black. I have to go kiss my mother now. Goodbye. Yours go. truly, Robert. <laughs> they were both so fucked. Dude, honestly, I think I think HP's biggest regret is not fucking his mom, and Robert E. Howard's greatest regret is that he wouldn't get to fuck her ever again after she died. <laughs> did you ever hear about that? How Robert e. that Robert e. Howard boned his mom? Yeah, I did try to forget that. Tyler, do you know about this? Her skin was as fair as the daytime. No, Tyler. So Robert E. Howard. Uh, well into like his 40s lived with his mother uh and uh like she got like cancer right and basically uh she fell into a coma and the doctor came by and robert asked the doctor uh you know when she would be expected to come out of the coma 
and he said, never. And Robert E. Howard walked out into the driveway, pulled a gun out of his uh, glove box, and shot himself in the head. What a guy. I know. Yeah. He certainly was a man. What a fellow. Certainly was a man. Certainly was a man about town, I'll tell you that much. Uh, what can you say? The man loved his mother. Yeah. I mean, you could just, you could say a lot more things. He was a racist, uh... <laughs> Oedipal, uh, infantile weirdo. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, but he could write a hell of a sword fight. Hell of a sword fight, that man. Yeah. Um, Makes me really want to fuck those snake ladies sometimes, too. We don't need to talk about this weirdly sexy snake lady. Can't help it, man. <laughs> it's not my fault. Maybe you shouldn't have made him so goddamn sexy. Crawling in her skin. Okay. Um... So between 1895 and uh, 1900, there was a massive period of uh, improvement in the technology of cameras, not just by Edison, but by many of his competitors as well. Um, this would lead to an increase in Edison's sphere of influence as he slowly but surely began acquiring competitors, as well as taking anyone who was too small to bother buying uh, and sicking the Pinkertons on them. God, why did they come up so much? Because they're fucking unscrupulous goons. Yeah. yeah. And there were, it wasn't just the Pinkertons, there were other unscrupulous goons hired by Thomas Edison to enforce his uh, supposed monopoly on the filmmaking industry. The problem with that is that fiction started performing way better than anything Edison made. Uh, the Pinkerton, uh, and Tyler, the reason you see the Pinkerton so often is because they're the budget police. Is because you need to have more money or more influence to get the police to do everything for you. Yeah, real cops are way more expensive. Exactly, so they had to just buy Pinkertons instead. That's why. Yeah. yeah exactly. <clears throat> or real um, cops are in, like, another guy's pocket. <laughs> more likely. Yeah. Now, the Motion Picture Patents Company, also known as the Edison Trust, would come later uh, in 1908, um, eventually, as Edison continued to acquire competitors uh, and violently enforce his monopoly on the East Coast. Because, again, at this point in time, the film industry is based almost entirely in the East Coast. There are... Some small enclaves uh, around the world and throughout the United States, but the industry itself, if you want to make money doing it, you do it in New Jersey. That's the first time that's ever been said. Unless anybody ever made money off of the Pine Barrens. The Mafia did, but in kind of like a... Tell you what, those Jersey, short, those Jersey Shore people seem to make a lot of money off of it. That um, Snooky and that J-Wow and that Pauly D fellow. That one Jersey Devil guy in the house. That Jim Tan Laundry. I'm for it. Jim Tanning like goddammit. <clears throat> Alright, now, um... Goddammit. 
the MPPC existed as a legal entity in the United States to attempt to enforce the elimination of the sale of any competing technology, film, uh, or projection technology. They... Hey, listen, you're not allowed to put nudie ladies up on the screen. That's only me, fella. Yeah, they, he, they would literally be like, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. You have to rent our product in order to do that. They managed to do this for about eight years, um, making use. Yeah, yeah, for a while. For a fucking while, they managed to, uh, you know, just fucking beat down any competition they had. Any competition they couldn't beat down, they bought out. Because Thomas Edison and his company uh, were incredibly wealthy at this point. Now, eventually, the various competitors... Uh, and people that Thomas Edison had either physically or financially abused in the film industry got real sick of his shit. And they decided to move out of his sphere of influence. Now, in the early 20th century, moving out of Thomas Edison's sphere of influence by and large meant leaving civilized society. You know, you left the settled, quote-unquote, you know, colonized areas of the United States, and you moved into the areas uh, that had just recently been conquered in the Indian Wars. I mean, at this point, I believe we are, I was going to say, 1908 to 1915, we are just now at the very end of the Indian Wars. Um... So this is still what is considered wild country. Um, you know, there are settlers there. In fact, there have been settlers in the West and Southwest for several hundred years before America acquired them as territories. Those goddamn Sooners coming out way too early. Well, no, actually, it's uh, Spanish. The Spanish had uh, colonized, like, Southern California and... Uh, Arizona and in New Mexico, fucking two hundred years before that purchase, where the yeah that purchase was made by America. <clears throat> I don't like it. Um, now, Hollywood, as we know it today, is the absolute center of the film industry of the western world um, it produces most of the films that come out in america europe um, and they do see a wide amount of international release as well there are i wouldn't say competitive markets but there are other markets for non-english language speaking countries like china has a large film industry uh, we've all heard of bollywood you know india has a massive film industry uh, Nigeria also massive film industry. Here, here's the thing, and here's the Korea thing, too. Here's the thing to say, even even in countries that have really um, really well known and really productive and really uh, uh, interesting film industries, um, 
they're all secondary markets. Yeah, absolutely. Every every mark. Un- unfortunately, they are all secondary markets because it, they none of them are on the same um, perceived level as uh, films that come out of Hollywood, which is highly unfair. No, and it's, um, it's the especially pre- it's the prestige of Empire. No, hundred <clears> percent. <throat> Now, eventually, um, this this tiny little town, as it once was, uh, Hollywood wasn't even a farming town. It was, um, I think, like a general store and a crossroads. But the weather was temperate, and it was temperate year-round. The landscape was varied. And most importantly, the legal entity which can, maintained... Uh, control over the area, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, for some reason was nationally known as being highly averse to enforcing patent claims. I couldn't find any reason why. So our boy really uh, capitalized on that one, huh? Uh, Thomas Edison did not, but all of the other independent feature filmmakers did. Uh, and they moved the entirety of the rest of the film industry to California, leaving Edison on his own on the East Coast with his actuality films. The fun part the, the about The boring this, versions of documentaries, right? Yeah. Uh, the fun part about this is... This is the first major industry to move into California. Like, the logging industry had existed in California and NorCal, um, just like they existed everywhere there was trees. And the oil industry existed in some capacity in Southern California, but there aren't as many oil deposits in Southern California as there are in, say, Texas. Um, The fishing industry never really took off in California because that portion of the Pacific Ocean wasn't very easy to fish at the time. Modern technology has made it easier to fish, but even still. That's a reason why people surf there. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's great, you know, surfing in beach country, but there, you know, the, the tourism industry didn't exist in America until the fifties. No, and also fishing at the time was much more of a local thing. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm gonna catch a bunch of fish over here and then ship them across the fucking country. Yeah, it wasn't. It was the... like, no, I gotta, I gotta sell them here, and there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of people here. Yeah, it wasn't the. Uh, and I'm sure raising cattle was a lot easier than fishing. Yeah, a lot of Southern California, especially in the L.A. Hollywood area, was ranchers, cattle ranchers specifically. Um, now, this would eventually snowball. Hollywood would become, like we talked about, the cultural center of filmmaking for the entire world. Um, it is the primary market for films internationally. And because of this, massive amounts of money began rolling into California. And because this massive amounts of money began rolling into California, California rapidly modernized, and this brought in other industries into California. Um... This began a massive domino effect, which has led to the 
point of California having the single largest GDP of any state in the union, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fifth largest. Yeah, and there is wide and, margin. And there is also more people in California than there is in Australia. Yeah. Just in California. Like, California is a country unto itself largely because of the film industry. This is also why California is largely as liberal as it is, or at least Southern California. NorCal, it's because of all the fucking hippies. Yeah, it's just the concentration of the, like, intelligentsia necessary to support that kind of creative work. And then yeah. the... And notice I say liberals. Themselves. Not leftists. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's um, the kind of... Yeah, it's, it's Gavin, Gavin Newsom types. Newsom mm-hmm. Newsom. Um, now, at the time, Thomas Edison, uh, would flail and rage against the fledgling film industry in California. Eventually, the two would come to a kind of, um, I'm not going to say basic peace, but they, they will come to an understanding. The West Coast will purchase Edison's technology and Edison will stop fucking with the West Coast film industry. This is largely because of the Kinetophone's invention. The Kinetophone, invented in the 19-teens, was the first kinetoscope uh, capable of replaying video with sound. Um, This was an early attempt at talkies. Um, It wasn't super popular but it did lead to more technology being developed, which allowed uh, films as we know them today to be made. Now, in 1915, Edison would take his trust, and he would take that trust to work with other companies out west, like Paramount uh, and George Klein. Um, However, he would lose the European markets in World War I, um, so losing out on that revenue. Um, obviously, the film industry slowed down a little bit during the Great War. Nineteen fifteen also marks the year that the Sherman Antitrust Act moves against the Edison Trust, breaks it apart almost completely into one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and eleven different parts including uh the what is still the largest producer of film stock in the world kodak um which was uh, descended from the eastman company um the major or the most major competitor to the kinetoscope while it was um being produced was biograph uh, as well as vitagraph um the inventor of the polyscope All of these had been acquired by the MPPC, and all of them became separate companies again after the Antitrust Act was invoked and the Edison Trust was broken apart. Man, remember when they uh, when they were doing that when they were breaking things apart? Yeah, that was nice. They should do that. Pepperidge Farm remembers. They should do that for a lot of things. They should do that for for oil. Yeah. Data, housing. Housing. Mm-hmm. Utilities. Pretty much any. Ever. Pretty much everything. 
I'll go ahead and say everything. Let's just start nationalizing things. You just start nationalizing. Here, here's the thing. If you're They've not, already done you, the spreadsheets. Guys, they, no, they don't want to do the trust busting. Fine. Okay, no trust busting. We're going to just start nationalizing. Compromise. There you go. Yeah. Now... But Colin, but Colin, what about the ninth yacht of the year? These these CEOs need to buy their ninth ninth yacht. Well, you, this they gotta year. get that ninth yacht. Well, you can think about maybe getting to see the ocean again uh, when you're breaking rocks in the desert. Did you ever think about that? That'd be nice. Did you ever think about maybe you should think about how you could become <coughs> soul brothers with a whale? <laughs> that sounds like you're gonna start doing acid with a, dol- a dolphin until eventually you give it a hand job. No, I want to become a soul brothers with a whale. So you're going to give the whale a hand job? No. <laughs> no, I'm going to put the whale in blackface. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> so I've seen the uh, You're really going to really going to ruin his political career a couple years down the road. <laughs> that blue whale will never be able to run for Congress. What the fuck? Well, you've never seen Soul Man? Yes, I have. God damn it. Oh, Christ. Okay. Um, Thomas Edison, like I said, would eventually stop fucking with the film industry, largely after his trust was broken up. Free my boy Pi a call. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Tyler knows what I'm talking about. Oh. Um... Thomas Edison, in in his final years, uh, you know, post-1915, was very good friends with uh, Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, uh, and the naturalist John Burroughs. So that's how you know Um, he was a piece of shit. Yeah, he was a huge piece of shit. He really loved Henry Ford. Um, Like, they would go on camping trips every year. That's So here's the thing. Like, we don't have any specific evidence of thomas edison being anti-semite but loving henry ford that much you have to be because that's you kind of gotta assume that's like how like he there's no way henry ford is talking about much else yeah especially that and especially around then hey fella you know what the problem with baseball is jew money jews um now edison Edison supposedly, in his last years, uh, was influenced by one or more popular fad diets of the day. Um, The one that I saw the most reported was that the only liquid he consumed was a pint of milk every three hours. So it's like the milk. Oh. Covered so he cocaine. didn't drink water. No, he didn't. He drank zero water. So is he no water at all? So he's like he's like a pro Anna guy. I think he was just stupid. Okay. Like he he still ate food. So he's just like H.P. Lovecraft, where he has like a crackpot theory about. It's like I got a more efficient way of feeding myself, idiots. Yeah, only, only like it's he killing was him. just wrong. Yeah, only yeah. it's killing them. That's my favorite. Don't you all that's get my favorite part of when somebody's so smug. They're like, 
Yes, my all bean and black coffee diet. Oh, may like, seem... like Jordan Peterson with his all meat diet? May <laughs> seem <laughs> eccentric to you, but once you see the health benefits, and they're just like, had to remove a piece of his intestine. Their skin is falling off. Put him in a medically induced coma for a month. Jesus fuck. Now he can't be on a camera for more than 15 seconds before he starts fucking crying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I love it. I love that Jordan Peterson destroyed his life by letting his 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 daughter his fit, dumb daughter his, his weird daughter findom his life <laughs> like human traffic him around eastern europe that is that is odd that's, it's fucked we'll up we'll talk about him eventually it's real fucked that's, up that's a that is a real fucked up story i don't i don't want to talk about jordan peterson <laughs> he man. does have a dummy daughter situation going oh, on it's fucking his that's so weird so I we don't need I to talk about she that hot for me, man she's like abby shapiro in that way all right. Well, um, <laughs> so Thomas Edison would continue to make bad decisions about his personal health for the next 15 years, um, eventually causing him to contract adult onset diabetes, which went untreated. I have the sugars. He did. He had the sugars. Uh, and he died of complications of that diabetes a very rich man, very much beloved in the public eye, and a real gigantic piece of shit, because Thomas Edison truly was one of the worst in the industry. What an asshole. Fuck this guy. Uh, yeah. No. I'm glad he's dead. Gigantic piece of shit. Uh, stole pretty much every patent he put under every under his fucking name. You know, got credit for all the shit that he did not fucking do. No, fuck Thomas Edison. George Westinghouse is okay. He, he, I mean, the the air brake alone gives him a pass. It's yeah, he did invent the air brake. I'll give him. I'll give him a little bit of a pass. He gets like thirty percent of a pass. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 all right. Yeah, he's he's not. George Westinghouse is not the worst in the industry. No, Thomas Edison is. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks once again for tuning in, folks at home. Uh, we always appreciate you listening into the show. Uh, yeah, this is the end of our Thomas Edison series. I don't think we have a specific plan for what's coming next. Um, but we will absolutely be back with you next week to talk some more about some gigantic asshole either contemporary or from history uh and we'll uh we'll try and edge obtain you thanks for listening once again bye bye your night kisses i'm in a spot they would kill for i could put them in the wheel and they still won't i could probably get a deal with coke if i wasn't rapping about the past back dealing dope got the offer and it's real low over one mil and it's still low they all corporate, they all cute in suits, yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop. My shit going up, I go root to roof, they don't like that, they want mute the truth. They gon' switch sides, they go group to group, they want shoot the shit, ain't got shit to shoot till I go crazy. Go and get the baby shot.